We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brick and Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? I'm well, Nick. I'm looking forward. This is something you've done a heap of work on, and I've been putting together some stuff as well. But the upside targets uh, when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets and trades and improving their roster is something that I'm really intrigued to talk about. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And as we've kind of mentioned on a previous pod, this is potentially a route that Nets will take if they don't land a star. You know, I think it'd be a smart move to swing on some upside guys and potentially improve their value or develop a piece for a potential championship roster. But quick reminder before we jump into that, you find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a review. But Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, I want to ask you, who is the upside target of all upside targets that you would want to get? Now, just in a vacuum, we're not saying, oh, you know, the Nets don't have the assets to get Jonathan Kaminga or you know, whoever it might be, Cole Anthony or BJ Washington, Colin Sexton. Just take all of that out of it. Out of the players you have on your list, if you could just get this guy, no strings attached, who would you take? Yeah, oh, this is a that's a great question. And I would say this to prelude that... Uh, my list doesn't necessarily, you know, have anyone that's already an all-star or anything like that. It's kind of more about that potential. I think Jonathan Kaminga is the guy that really pops because you can see where he can kind of ascend to and some of the pen- potentials on tap, given, you know, the system he played in Golden State, you know, some of the restrictions on him there, maybe in a new situation, a little bit more freedom, he could really take those strides. And as we've talked about, a lot of Really good NBA minds have been high in Jonathan Kaminga, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, I think Draymond was the, a big part of the reason why he got traded to Golden State in the first place. And you know, we spoke about and we speak about again. You know, we might bring up the same things because you know we're just revealing our philosophy on basketball, talent, and just three level sort of ability. We've seen fleeting moments from Jonathan Kaminga on and how body he can type. Play. Uh, yeah, like he's just the the ultimate sort of guy. Like if the Nets were to DFS Royce go out the door and you replace him with Jonathan Kaminga, I'd be pretty freaking happy. You know, obviously, you know, I'd rather retain one of those guys if Damian Lillard and going for championship stuff. But just looking at Jonathan Kaminga as a basketball, you know, number seven sort of pick. And the thing I look to towards as well is that, you know, we're getting a bit of smoke around you know, Golden State now because, you know, Mike Dunleavy, the new GM there, you know, the, the Tom Wamsgans of the uh, the NBA now after taking over from Bob Myers. 
It'll be, and they're already talking about it. They're getting calls on him. They're getting calls on Jordan Paul. Now, Jordan Paul isn't on our list. We're not going to be discussing him by any means. But Jonathan Kaminga is going to have a lot of interest. I don't see a high likelihood of the Nets getting him because that. But the Nets do have you know quite a few first round pick assets that they could put together and go. Hey, how about a couple of these ones, a future one here, and we'll chuck in Dorian Finney-Smith, and you know the the Warriors get their sort of. A ready guy that can fit into that system and play some small ball five and rebound and cut, do all the, the weird fancy Golden State ball that they want, you know, whether it's Royce, whether it's DFS, maybe those guys, you know, add a, a semblance of intrigue. But in a vacuum, yeah, Jonathan Kaminga is one at the top of this list. He's just got so much talent and so much untapped potential in a way that's sort of like you know, Cam Thomas on steroids to it to an extent. Yeah, and I think um, you know he has potential ability on both ends of the floor. And like you said, I I don't think that it's unrealistic to think that the Nets can't trade for him. It's just a matter of you know how would that look? Is it willing to you know utilize that many assets? And also, Golden State's you know salary situation is not pretty. And you know who would they send back? It's, I have a hard time trying to gauge which contracts they want to get off. You know, I think if you were able to kind of figure out maybe who they don't like and you could match the salaries and send two first-round picks and give them a player that really helped them win this year, they might be open to trading into the Nets. But I'm just very unsure, you know, who are they looking to dump or get off? Is it Gary Payton the second? Kevon Looney plays such a big role for them. I think it's Poole. Like the, yeah, I and think Poole I, is too big. You know, he's at 20, yeah. 27.9. So it's like that all of a sudden is pretty pretty hefty contract to put on the books, and now all of a sudden you're sending multiple players and draft picks. For a contract think, you probably don't want. True. I think in a trade machine, uh, look, it might it might have changed since the new CBA rules have kicked in, but does a straight Jonathan Kaminga, because pick seven, he's got a, a somewhat elevated contract being in, you know, high in the first round, for Royce and Neil work, Nick? Does it just that, that, that work in a it's vacuum? It's pretty close. Uh, I think Royce is at 9.5. His, his guaranteed amount is 2.5. So you can trade him at 2.5. And the Nets could technically take Kaminga into their trade exception. And maybe, you know, the Warriors could trade someone they don't really care about at the back end of the roster. Like, I don't know, Patrick Baldwin or someone like that that doesn't necessarily play a role. He's number so, two on our list, by the way. We'll get to <laughs> Patrick Baldwin very soon. <laughs> no, uh, but really, you could you could really figure something out if Royce O'Neal was someone they wanted. But I think they'd probably have more of a preference for Dorian Finney-Smith just because of know a little bit more size and kind of feels probably a bigger need for them but maybe you could convince them that royce is important and you could trade I 20, think royce, look to like look at it as a somewhat mutual observer and from the golden state side of things i think royce is a better passer and yeah. i think in that sort of system with the cutting and you know ball handling and stuff i think either guy would be you know a pretty tremendous fit alongside steph draymond uh, and the rest of the guys there in golden state in terms of their trying to get a, another chip before steph you know hang hangs it all up but yeah, I th- in in ultimately before we you know move on to some other players, if the Nets weren't to get Damian Lillard and were to get Jonathan Kaminga, you know I wouldn't have an equal level of excitement, but I'd be pretty freaking excited because there's something you know it's like the draft when we got Cam Thomas and we got Kessler Edwards and you know when the Nets acquired Nick Claxton, there's something intangible to get about getting young talent, and you know, it's why we you know. There was a period for me where I'm like, nah. Kaminga is younger get, than some guys in the draft. Exactly. And, you know, I was like, nah, get rid of Mikael Bridges. Get me Scoot Henderson, Shed Sharp. <laughs> There's just something about the the young upside sort of unknown of that that just excites you as a fan. And it certainly does excite me. So if not Lillard, let's get Kaminga, Nick. 
Well, I think also another idea to just throw out there would be if the Nets are looking to trade up and get a late lottery pick, and that seems to be what Golden State is looking for for Kaminga, they could also just send a pick straight to the Warriors, take Kaminga back in their trade exception, and there you are. And then maybe potentially use, as we talked about in a previous show, Royce O'Neal to acquire another late first-round pick. So there's a lot of moves to be had. And like we've talked about, there's going to be a lot of trades out there and a lot of movement in the NBA this offseason. Sean better have his phone on and charged. Yeah, multiple phones probably. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, he's got the burners going. He's, he's Paul Pierce at the All-Star game. What about you, Jack? Who Obviously, Kaminga probably is close to the top of your list. Who would be right after him? Now, I'm not sure if you had this guy on your list or on a different list, Nick, because I know you're very particular with how you categorize your guys. But for me, the the other guy that I would have, and he's probably at maybe a slight tier below, but I love Wendell Carter Jr., like Wendell Carter Jr. would be a guy that I just throw straight in there. And if you put him alongside Nick Claxton, you might have the best young, versatile front court in the NBA. And you have that sort of stretch. Look, Wendell Carter Jr. isn't Carl Anthony Towns. And Carl Anthony but he's Towns, starting to stretch a little he's bit. He's starting more. to stretch. And look, Carl Anthony Towns has changed the game, Nick. I'm not sure whether <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. has changed the game oh. just <laughs> has changed the game just yet. But I think he can change the Brooklyn Nets and their ecosystem and would fit so perfectly. I think he can do a lot of stuff, as we alluded to with Jonathan Kaminga. You know, guys that, that don't have necessary limitations and in, in high regards. He's a a really good athlete. You know, I think he can pass, he can score, he can defend, he can rebound. I think he'd be you know, my second guy, but maybe a tier below, you know, the Jonathan Kaminga, just because of the talent gap. But in saying that, Wendell Carter Jr. is very, very high on my list. I don't know how likely it is. And, you know, we're hearing weird, like, it's, it's hard to just decipher what Orlando wants to do. It's, I have honestly no idea because they've got, you know, some big guys there already. And, you know, there's maybe lesser tier guys like a Wagner that have been discussed that the Nets should acquire and, and look to acquire in, instead. But, you know, we're talking about the high tier guys, Nick, and give me Wendell Carter Jr. Yes, please. Yeah, I would love Wendell Carter. Um, I, he didn't make my list because I just think that it's very unlikely because he's probably on one of the best contracts in the NBA. You know, he's on a descending contract. Next year, he's only making $13 million the year after that, 11.9. And then in 20. 526 he's only making 10.8 so that's just one of those contracts that really gives you an amazing amount of flexibility to potentially build a contending team i don't think anyone thinks orlando is going to contend in 23 24 but maybe in 25 26 if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, maybe that's a time for those guys to really pop off and now all of a sudden it's one of those contracts that blesses you with flexibility. Yeah, it's like if you would have Mikael Bridges and Wendell Carter Jr. on your yeah. roster, it would all it would immediately offset the Ben Simmons of it all. It's just yeah. like both two two of those guys is is worth the the one. You're Albatross. talking about potentially maybe adding like having four stars in a CBA that's not allowed to have that. Not to say Wendell Carter's a star, but Mikael I think is a star, and you could potentially add you know two other minor all stars depending on the deals. Yeah, you have to think of the machinations of it all, and that's why I'm glad you brought up the the contract there because. In terms of that, you know, how that gives you so much more value as the Orlando Magic and so much more wiggle room because, look, they've got a heap of young guys as well. You know, are they going to want to go to a Fred Van Vliet or whatever? You, know, you have to look at it from the other side of things. That's why I think it is highly unlikely. But it's like when we were discussing LaMelo Ball and Anthony yeah, yeah. Edwards the other sort of day. Why not throw it out there? I think that Kaminga and Wendell Carter Jr. are much more likely than Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. Yeah. But in saying that, you know, let, let's just... Let's dream a little bit, and there's, there's there's something maybe, but I don't think I think Kaminga's probably more likely than Wendell Carter Jr. being a Brooklyn net, percent you know, especially and, because he's publicly talked about maybe wanting a trade and yeah. that relationship being a little bit bumpy and Golden State being in a win now window. But staying in Orlando, I think there's two guys we can talk about as well: Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. And Cole Anthony was mentioned in rumors recently; he could potentially be had for a first round pick. We saw him hang out with Mikel Bridges, with Joe Sy, and knowing, I think they said Clara Sy and his mother have a really good relationship. So those are two potential young point guards the Nets could add, and maybe they could pop off in New York. Yeah, and look, Cole Anthony, a, a New York sort of native. And yep. I think wore Tim's the, what, during the dunk contest. What says New York more than that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, heap of offensive talent you know a bit of a defensive sort of sieve but if you have the likes of cam johnson mikhail bridges nick claxton around him i think that sort of offsets a little bit i think he'd be a really good backup guard and you know upside sort of guys very young he has so much offensive talent and i think that there is out of the guys that we discussed i think there is a, a semblance of a likelihood that that could happen i wouldn't want spencer dimity on the same roster you know that would you know pertain it would just spencer dimity is your lead guard and Cole anthony as your backup guard like you, you're just very shallow in terms of talent playmaking all that sort of stuff look spencer's a great playmaker and he, i think he's a better playmaker than he is as a scorer and colin anthony's probably a better scorer than he is as a playmaker so maybe those two offset each other but i'd rather have one than the other and sort of bank on you know the the lillard or some other sort of guy at that, at that sort of position and you know cam thomas give him a, a bit of wiggle room but in, in saying that you, know, you just want to get guys that can improve the quality of your roster and if could, could colin the, the one thing that does 
leave me with a, a bit of concern is could Cole Anthony be, you know, a, a genuine playoff sort of rotation player? We have no idea of, of that because of Orlando's recent history. But I think he can sort of be, you know, a Jordan Clarkson y sort of type yeah. and maybe a, a hopefully a Jordan Pooley sort of type from last year more so than this year. Yeah, that's probably the best case sort of scenario. And look, I, I think that if there is a package where the Nets don't have to give up a heap and it's a you know a protected first or one of those you know easy first that's more like you know later in the first sort of round rather than in that sort of lottery sort of range, maybe you do it. But I don't know if Cole Anthony's value is that high anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think he's also could be a guy of like we talked about. I keep bringing up like trading Royce O'Neal for a late first. You know, we brought up Indiana, maybe Memphis. Maybe you just send that pick to Orlando for Cole Anthony, and you like the upside, and he could potentially fill a role for you as you know long term backup guard that can you know spot start when someone's injured like that. So it's obviously interesting too his ties. But what do you think about Markel Fultz? I like Markel Fultz probably a little bit more because of the two way play. The guy was a first-round pick, for God's sake. And look, he sort of said, you know, he wished Philly had kept him and he could have showed something for them. And I think we saw riddle glimpses from him. Now, the the, the difference between, say, to him and a Cole Anthony is that Mikael Bridge, uh, sorry, not Mikael Bridge, Markel Fultz can score a little bit more around the wings, around the rim, you know, in that sort of mid-range, whereas Cole Anthony can score a little bit more when it comes to the volume from the three-point line. So, look, I, I just... I'd probably go Mark Elfors because of his two-way ability. He's sort of like a – we discussed DeLon Wright a little bit on the, the rumors pod when it came to the Wizards. He's sort of like a an optimal version. He could turn into the best version of that sort of you know, backup sort of two-way sort of point guard. He's got some size, really, really good defender at his position. He could probably defend the one, the two, maybe in a pinch to three. So I think he gives you more flexibility when it comes to roster construction. And I think he's a more talented player as well. I think there's some stuff that's still probably a little bit unlocked there. And you know, the Nets have shown in the past they can unlock some things when it comes to the guards and when it comes to shooting and and all those sort of things. You know, Joe Harris became one of the best three-point shooters and Spencer Dinwiddie is you know, a very confident three-point shooter from where he is. Karis LeVert is, is, as well has been more than competent there. So I think in within the Brooklyn situation and organization, I think there are opportunities for Mark L. Fultz to possibly thrive. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think Markel Fultz, the one thing, the biggest question mark for him is the three-point shot. And obviously the jump shot has been a huge issue due to the shoulder injuries he had and all the injuries and him you know, losing confidence. And I think that's what kind of gives you pause, but that's also what makes him an upside you know, trade target because he could potentially look really good if he starts to get very comfortable. And last year he started to get a level of comfort, started to attempt more threes in the NBA and just look to you know, look kind of like a starting point guard in the NBA, you know, and uh, maybe he has more upside than Cole Anthony. And like you mentioned, the defense and, you know, he's a little bit bigger, not so much bigger than Cole Anthony, but still, you know, every inch kind of matters in the NBA, especially with wingspan and all those different things. So I would think it is very likely Orlando looks to trade probably one of those guys, given they have three, you know, point guards and they drafted Jalen Suggs recently. Maybe he's a guy they potentially look to move, but more unlikely given he was the most recent draft pick. Yeah, I think that there's opportunity cost there where it's just like the yeah. Nets could swoop in for a couple of seconds and get a guy that can just be 
you know, in your rotation. I think Mark Fultz could genuinely contribute when the games do matter. Colin, uh, Cole Anthony, I think, can genuinely contribute throughout regular season basketball. It's sort of like that conversation we've had before about 16-game players, 82-game players. Neither of those guys have really had the opportunity to prove it either way. And I think Cole Anthony has this attitude and this sort of persona uh, and this mentality that I think would allow... It's some allow athletic him. pop, too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's you know for a guy that's six two and shorter than you know me and and maybe you as well, like he I can't dunk in Tim's. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and I think it, it is an interesting conversation because I think there's also an argument that maybe Markel Fultz would be hard to build around with the lack of three point shot at the guard position in this current NBA. So again, that's why both guys would potentially be available. Sticking with the guards, Nick Colin Sexton in Utah. Now there's been. Chatter here and there about him on on Nets Twitter, Nets social media. Now, I think the chatter is because he would fit into the TPE if I'm not, or one of the TPEs if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I'll double check that while you chat about him. Yeah, while I'm chatting about him. Now, last year in Utah, you know, had one of his best seasons in terms of efficiency. You know, nearly f- over 39% from three, 50% from the field. You know, any field goal percentage of nearly 56. You know, had the uh, highest, like, decent assist numbers. You know, he is basically probably an upgrade over the the Cole Anthony sort of type that we've sort of been alluding to. I think this guy can can get buckets, Nick. He's a bucket getter. Yeah, and he would fit into that trade exception. Um, I think he wasn't on my list for the extent. It's like, I don't know how much more upside there is, but I think he's right. a really good player and he can fit on Only the 24? Yeah, no, there, there definitely is some, but I'm not sure, you know, how much strides we're talking about. I thought last year was a really good year for him and he showcased a lot of his ability and looks like he could be a starting guard in the NBA. I don't know if he'll ever be, you know, an all-star. Maybe he'll be one of those fringe all-star guys that gets in once in a while. If he has a really big year, but you do love the intensity he played with and you know, how he reacted to being traded and stepping up. Look, if we look at like some of his career number, career season numbers, Nick, you know, last year in only 24 minutes of play, he had 14 points per game. Yeah. When he was getting genuine time in Cleveland, his age 21 and 22 season, he was averaging over 20 points a game. You know, he ruined in, the debut of the big, the big three of KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. Yeah, but we're, we're gonna f- remember that day for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. This dude just gets buckets. Like in in his age 22 season, his third season of NBA basketball, he was averaging 24.3 points per game. And I think sometimes we just like analyze things a, a little bit too much. And it's just like this guy can put the ball in the basket. And at the end of the day, that's the hardest thing to do and the most valuable thing when it comes to you know just getting the game done and and, and making the games matter. So. Look, I, I I think that there is less upside with the uh, with a Colin Sexton than some of the other guys that we've been alluding to, but I also think he's probably maybe the best player that we've discussed and the most proven player that we've discussed. Yeah, hundred percent. Four seasons of quality NBA basketball, whether it comes to scoring or efficiency, and still only age twenty four and on a decent enough contract. I think that, yeah, you know, obviously would Utah trade him? You know, I have no idea, but I have no idea what their direction would be. But yeah, Colin Sexton is a guy that certainly intrigues me, Nick. Yeah, he's under contract until 25, 26, under 20 million, doesn't get anything higher than 19 million. And so, you know, he could be a solid starter or maybe your six man, depending on how you view him and what you think he can do. I think, um, you know, the three point shot has kind of been a little bit all over the place for him. And like, sometimes the numbers I feel like look better than actually the consistency we see in real life sometimes. So, you know, I I don't hate Colin Sexton, especially if they go to the slightly run it back because I think his contract is also very tradable as well. 
He's only had one season under 37% uh, overall. And that was I, that. I would say watching him, though, sometimes it just feels like he's one of those very hot and cold guys like we've alluded to with like Royce O'Neal. That's fair. That's fair. I think he's a bit more reliable, and I think because of the nature of some of the shots that he does mm-hmm. take, you know, the, I think there's a lot of self-creation compared to catch-and-shoot sort of stuff. So, look, we don't have the the metrics behind it. We don't have spec- We didn't spectrum. watch a ton of Utah Jazz last year either. <laughs> Unfortunately not. We didn't have the, necessarily the time to do that with our, uh, given everything happening in our lives. But, Nick, who, who was the next guy on the list? I, I guess maybe if we're going via talent and priority in terms of names on the sort of list, is PJ Washington the sort of next sort of guy, or is there a, a person who sticks out to you a little bit more? Yeah, PJ Washington um, isn't on my list because he's a restricted free agent. So unlikely the Nets can do a sign and trade unless they get really creative with you know how they move around with the cap. Not saying it's impossible, and not saying it's impossible they can't send an offer sheet. But just the only reason I didn't have him on there is just because of the whole contract situation, how that'll play out, and I think it's very unknown about what Charlotte's going to do as well. So who really knows how those guys are going to play out? Yeah, I think with it, Michael Jordan now selling his stake in the ownership. So it's just, you know, LaMelo Ball could be coming, Nick. He could be coming. Maybe Michael Jordan listened to the buzz the other day. He's like, man, yeah, look, maybe we should give him to Brooklyn. Those guys sound all right. That Aussie bloke and that bloke from America. Let's let's just send LaMelo to, to them. They'll cover or, him well at podcast. Or they could be adding Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, we've heard exactly. this week. So it's uh, a lot of... A lot of unknowns in Charlotte. Um, a guy that I think is more unrealistic now, but still not completely out of the realm of possibility, be Keldon Johnson from the Spurs. I think there's still more upside with him. Um, obviously, they have the number one pick, probably going to draft Wemby. Maybe they're closer to contention or building a playoff team sooner rather than later now. They feel more confident. They want to have confident players around him. Or maybe they want to add more draft picks and the Nets could throw some draft picks on a guy that's, you know, could maybe approach being a fringe all-star in the future and it's showed some really good growth and kind of fit some of the Nets' needs. Yeah, 22 points per game score. Now, look, it's not the be-all and end-all, Nick, but as I say, I think scoring is one of the more valuable. <laughs> it, it, it matters. It's, it's bloody important, as you alluded to. And look, his three-point shooting dipped a little bit last year, but you know, in 32.9%. The year before that, it was closer to, to 40%. So a little bit streaky when it comes to that sort of thing. But I also think that Keldon Johnson probably fits into the same mold as Wendell Carter Jr. in terms of mm. their contracts are super br- bloody good. Like Keldon Johnson would be in a, a similar sort of vein to, to Mikhail Bridges, you know. Could probably push for an all-star, you know, only age 23. Plenty of upside sort of there, you know, Team USA sort of guy. So I think that there's plenty of of growth for him going forward and i think if you were to build a team over the next two or three years and just your priority is just victor and keldon and devin vassell and just sort of see how things happen from there and maybe you get lucky you know, a, a person wants to go play with that uh, vic in the next couple of years i think the san antonio spurs could do worse than that so I think it's unlikely, but I see why you got him on the list, Nick, because you know, we're speaking about talent and guys. I think Keldon Johnson, out of all of the names we've discussed, is the best player uh, by by probably a, a significant margin. And another, like you mentioned, contract's amazing. Descending contract goes from 20 to 19 to 17.5 and 17.5. So if, you know, Mikel is hitting his prime, Keldon's, you know, hitting his prime, Cam Johnson hitting his prime, and all of a sudden you still have cap space to sign a superstar and surround them with some really good players. That's why it makes a lot of sense, but that's also why it makes a lot of sense for this person not to trade him. 
Exactly. Now, a name that we've seen a little bit discussed, and I don't know where I put him on my list. I think I have him. I know he's definitely on yours because you discussed him a little bit on Twitter when the rumors were around, is Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons. Now, I don't know if the Nets have been linked to him. I don't know what teams have been linked to him, but I think we sort of discussed, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. fitting alongside perfectly to, to Nick Claxton if the Nets were to retain Nick Claxton. I think Isaiah Stewart could fit pretty well there as well. Yeah, he gives you a little bit more physicality and he's developing his three-point shot, has definitely, you know, shown to be a force on the boards and, you know, has shown some switchability as well. You know, reports have come out that Detroit's not looking to move him, but they're obviously getting a little clogged in the center room with Duran in there and uh, James Wiseman. So maybe the right price or potentially giving them a vet because we've heard rumblings that they want to kind of compete for the playoffs sooner rather than later. So maybe Isaiah Stewart could be had. Like you said, I like the way he can develop. He can be a really solid big, you know, part of your three big man rotation. And if he develops that three-point shot more consistently, becomes a really nice, you know, addition next to Claxton or potentially as a future big for you without Claxton. Yeah, nearly averaged a double-double last year, over 11 points, over eight rebounds. And for me, it's not necessarily about the the three-point shooting percentage, which was around that sort of 33 range, which he has been for his career. But he was averaging that, you know, the season before in 21-22 on 0.6 attempts. This season, he averaged 4.1 attempts. And the volume and the average sort of stay the same. That's sort of a range of the the sort of stretchy-ish big where... It's like Brook Lopez-esque. Yeah, Brooke Lopez-esque. And I think Brooke Lopez has obviously proved a little bit more. But, you know, Isaiah Stewart's age 21 season, that's a, a pretty bloody good number and, and a nice little development from him. And, you know, free throw percentage for a big guy as well, you know, it's nearly 74%. So you can yeah. play both of those guys and not worry about them getting hacked to death. You know, Clark's proved that this season with the, his maturation there. I think his two-point sh- shooting percentage is, leaves a little bit to be desired. He's not necessarily as efficient as a Clark's, but that's where those guys can sort of balance each other out a little bit, you know. You got the strong, beefier sort of dude in in Isaiah Stewart, beef stew, uh, and you got a guy who can sort of sit on the perimeter a little bit. Where you got Clax, who can probably be in that sort of dunker spot. Where, yeah, I think that they'd fit pretty bloody well together. So, if you're not giving me Wendell Carter Jr., Nick, give me some beef stew. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I think his contract in the future probably wouldn't be extremely large because he could potentially just end up being a backup big or just like I said, part of your you know three big rotation and. We'll see how he kind of develops. But uh, Precious Achua would be another guy kind of similar to Isaiah Stewart in a little bit. And who really knows what Toronto is doing? You know, at times it seems like they've been very high on him. And other times it seems like they are potentially interested in trading him. And I don't know what's going on with that team. So that was just a guy added. And I think he fits pretty well with, you know, the current NBA. Yeah, and I think they're higher on Nick Claxton than Precious Achua. Like, I I think they're, they're still searching for that big. That like you know, is it Jakob Pertl? You know, like is he going to be there for the for the yeah. next couple of years? And look, I think Precious Chua has some intangible skills. You know, the three point shooting isn't necessarily there. I think there's talent unlocked, talent there. You know, his rebounding is is fine enough. Uh, I think that there's there's something there. I think he can switch a little bit as well. You know, a little bit older because he came to the NBA a little bit later after a couple of seasons in college. So I think. You know, in, if you're adding some sort of backup upside sort of bigs, Precious Achua is maybe lower on the list alongside maybe like a Jalen Smith sort of type, which then you know I know you and I talked about in last year. But I, I think that Precious Achua is is a guy that you could you know take a little bit of a flyer on if if need be. And he seems like he could be attainable, you know, and that's something a little bit different than some of the other guys we've mentioned. Exactly, exactly. Are there. 
I've got like it, some sort of low tier sort of names here, Nick, and we can discuss them however much you sort of want. But the names I sort of threw in there were Isaac Okoro, Kenny Martin Jr., Nikhil Alexander Walker. Those are probably my other sort of names I sort of threw in there. And I don't know if Jonathan Isaac's really an upside sort of type, but the, those. Kinda, are, he was the high risk guy for me, high risk, high reward. Yeah. There, yeah, that's probably where he fits more. And maybe even a Kobe White as well. I think those are probably Kobe White's probably the guy probably who intrigues me the most, maybe to a lesser extent, Isaac Okoro, because you know, he's still very young and he's a wing and that's what every NBA team wants. A wing that can turn into a credible three and D sort of two way player. But Kobe White, I think, did a lot of nice stuff this season and including I think in some of the play in stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely be a guy, especially if you move on from Cam Thomas, you know, gives you that instant score kind of off the bench. And like you mentioned, had made strides last year, had some real offensive pop to his game. He's 6'5", Nick. I didn't know he was that tall. Yeah, um, he seems a little small on the court, but he's also kind of thin. So maybe that's why. But um, Chicago, another one of those teams that we really have no idea what they're doing. So it's very hard to predict. I think he's a I think Kobe White might be a restricted free agent, but I can double check that real quick. He's heading into his fifth NBA season, so that does sound right. But, you know, the numbers are good, Nick. The three-point shooting, pretty bloody good. He hasn't had a season under 35% last season. You know, and the, the the volume is good. You know, five-ish, six-ish, that sort of range. Can score pretty well. You know, makes the right decision. I think he's developed more in terms of his just NBA nows. Played 74 games last season, which is a, a good number, getting those reps under him. So, I think Kobe White would be in the same sort of vein as, you know, Cole Anthony, Colin Sexton, these sort of guys. I guess one to sort of just ask you, Nick, you know, and, and who would you rather have? You know, if we're talking about those sort of backup guardsy sort of types with these young upside dudes, you know, Colin Sexton, um, who else did I allude to? Uh, Kobe White um, and Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. How would you rank those sort of guys? Who would you want the most? Who would you want the least? Well, Kobe White, sadly, is a restricted free agent, so we can remove him from there. I think um, if we looked at it from the way of like players being you know, the best spot there. And, like Colin Sexton, I think, is the best of the bunch. Then Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. And uh, I would probably say that maybe Markel Fultz has the most potential if he can develop yeah. a three-point shot because that's the huge question mark. And it's not like he didn't shoot threes in college. It's just as we alluded to before, it's just something he lost with the injuries and the confidence issue. So I think he would probably have the highest potential of those guys. And you feel pretty good about Con Sexton's floor because we've talked about he's already a good NBA player. Cole Anthony is kind of like, how much can he develop and can he ever be an NBA starter type? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I echo your sentiments. Were there any yeah, final touching thoughts? Touching on KJ Martin, I think he's a very interesting guy. Obviously ties with the Nets with Kenny Martin and his run with the Nets and being a fan favorite and, you know, with the Nets to the finals. And he gives them some athletic pops some physicality, some rim pressure. I think um, he was linked to the Nets as well at some yeah, point Yeah, there last was, I think, rumbling about that. He, yeah, I think Houston was asking for a first-round pick. I don't think they'll get that. Maybe there could be another deal or something along that. I know his contract situation was really interesting. I don't know if he's non-guaranteed and he can be waived and become a restricted free agent or something along. It was it was definitely not a normal NBA contract. And I know the salary cap sheets don't always have the full details on that. Um, just touching on a few more guys that I did have on my list. Brandon Clark would be a guy, you know, coming off a of torn Achilles. Memphis could be looking to add someone to the rotation that can help them win this season where, you know, Clark might not be ready to, you know, mid-season or after the All-Star break and the Nets could potentially wait because he could give your, 
you know, give you some athletic pop, a guy that can come off the bench and give you that energy. Um, another guy that I thought was kind of interesting, Peyton Pritchard, you know, looks like Boston's going to move one of their guards. Pritchard looks like he has some talent and could just be one of those annoying guards you bring off the bench on a championship team, you know, knock down threes, play annoying defense for a couple of minutes. Uh, Zach Collins, who we've talked about in the past, uh, it looks more likely, though, that San Antonio is going to keep him. There was a report saying that they think he has starter potential. So Collins probably unlikely and probably maybe my most unlikely name, but someone who would fit really well in the Nets would be Emmanuel Quickly. You know, Nets and Knicks never really make a trade. They probably are going to prioritize keeping Quickly, but he'd be a guy that I think could really flourish in a starting opportunity after he's kind of developed a lot further the last season. Yeah, sixth man of the year contender was unlucky not to win that over Malcolm Brogdon. So, yeah, that's, those are the sort of guys. And, you know, he had some fleeting moments in the postseason. I think he he wasn't as He's great. He's still as young. Probably, still very young. And, you know, I think you're, you're better off for the experience, whether it's good or bad, and sort of just seeing, you know, how the NBA defenses and, and things change there. But, yeah, I think if, if the Nets were to get one of these guys, Nick, I think we'd be pretty happy because it just means that there's something intangible there that, we can see some internal growth within the roster because you don't want to... The Nets aren't at a point right now until they get a Damian Lillard or some other superstar where you know they can be banking on just guys that are just solid because you want to see some guys flourish. You want to see some internal improvement uh, from guys. You know Whether it's guys currently retained, Darren Sharp, Cam Thomas, uh, those sort of dudes, Raycon Gray, Drew Smith, David Duke Jr. <clears throat> or you get some guys that have some untapped potential and we listed... 15 sort of names that would be fit perfectly into that scenario. Yeah. And like we talked about in the last show, I think, again, if they're going this scenario where it's the backup plan, they're not getting the star, they're not going for the rebuild. You're looking, ideally you're hoping to land two of these guys. Probably you're trading for young players with upsides. You're drafting multiple rookies and potentially adding, you know, future picks. And that's probably trading off Royce O'Neal, probably trading off Dorian Finney Smith you know, looking at maybe even trading some of the other guys if you're giving someone cap relief and potentially taking on somewhat of a bad contract or a contract that someone wants to get off the book. So it's going to be interesting, like we've alluded to a million times already at this point. Draft night will give us a lot better idea of the direction the Nets are heading in a lot of teams in the NBA. But, Jack, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Give me Kaminga, give me Wilma Carter Jr., and I don't need Damian Lillard. <laughs> well, there we go. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.